Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Restoring Grace Radio on blogtalkradio.com. My name is David Fournier, Senior Instructor here at Restoring Grace. Thank you for joining us either live or on archives. Restoring Grace Radio is here to provide online lessons about the Christian faith, our history, our documents, and how to express our faith to a very needy world. Thank you for listening, and now, on to our broadcast. Greetings to you. My name is David Fournier, Senior Instructor here at Restoring Grace. And whether you're joining me either live or on Archive, thanks for hanging out with us. And welcome to another edition of Zohar in 15. Tonight, we're going to be talking about feeding the hungry dog. Feeding the hungry dog. And you know, uh, as we've talked about before, in our studies in the Zohar, the Zohar is basically, in its English version, a 23-volume collection of commentaries by the rabbis, sages, and some surprise guests um, about the first five books of the Bible, the first five books known as the Law of Moses or the Torah. And interestingly enough, in the conversations that are going on uh, between these rabbis, some of these rabbis historically don't appear to have lived during the same time zone, yet or time, but yet they were still on the same kind of journeys together. They were still talking together. So it's it's a spiritual commentary on the first five books of the Bible from a very mystical and deep appreciation of the words. So um, years ago, back in oh, it was kind of 2009, 2010, uh, my my teacher Rabbi Hillbrandt encouraged me to, well, let's give it a read and see what you think. And I have to tell you that I started with volume one, which was the prologue, and then the first part of Bereshit, or Genesis, and it just made my head hurt. And there was a lot of terms in there, Zarapin, and Malkut, and Hokmah, and uh, all of this. And then some things I recognized, like Sin, and Hashem, and Samuel, and I was like, and it, you know, it was just quite the episode. To, to get into this. However, so what I wanted to do was find a way to make the Zohar a little more friendly and a little more teachable. And so that's why I picked the different conversations that I do out of the Zohar and, and bring it to you. Um, no disrespect meant to the many scholars. Uh, Daniel Matt comes to mind. Obviously, Rabbi Hilbrandt, Yehuda Berg that have spent hours and hours and hours combing over this detail uh, in this book. But today we want to talk about feeding 
The Hungry Dog. If you have the English version of the Zohar, I am in volume 21. Uh, portion is Pinkas, chapter 102, verse 680. Only reading one verse today. And that's located on page 146. Now, I want to read you the verse and see what it says. It is like a hungry dog. Whoever does not want to be bitten by it gives it meat or bread to eat and water to drink. And the secret matter is contained in the verse, if your enemy be hungry, give him bread to eat. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink, Proverbs 25, 21. He therefore becomes friendly towards the person and not only does not bite him, but with a number of tribulations, so to speak, but becomes an advocate for him and loves him. The Zohar is talking about, the rabbis are talking about here, about feeding the hungry dog. Years ago, Osama bin Laden was quoted as saying that terrorism will end when every man has a home for his family. Now, I don't know how we should take that. And I understand some of you immediately are saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Not every person we help, not every religion we help, not every person thing we help is going to come back and love us and advocate for us. That is true. But the verse doesn't say sort out the ones that are going to work out in your favor or get you the best benefit. It's not what it says. The verse clearly says this is what you do to avoid conflict, to avoid war. This is a commentary, by the way, that is mentioned to us in the Torah. It is mentioned to us in the wisdom writing. It is mentioned to us by Jesus himself in the New Testament document and words attributed to him that talk about blessing our enemies. Now, to understand this verse, we've got to kind of raise our understanding of hungry dogs here. We can't think of lassie or cuddly dogs or stupid dogs or, you know, but dog tricks. You have to think about the writer here is talking about pack animals. He's talking about a dog that's going to bite you, that's going to attack you. And dogs typically have reasons why they attack people. A sense of security. Um, they were frightened, disturbed in a way they weren't familiar with. Dogs typically just don't attack people. But this one particular dog is hungry. And interesting enough, many of the Old Testament documents, verses, that speak of the desolation of, uh, of Jerusalem talk about wild dogs roaming around. Now, if you've watched any of these shelter shows, and some of these things are amazing where these guys, they get a call that, hey, somebody moved out and left their dog chained up, and they go there, and the dog is you know, is, just, is starving, and you can, it does not look healthy, and they go to get near the dog, and it's, you know, it's tied up in a garage somewhere or whatever or stuck on something, and that dog is ready just to eat their face off. And I don't know if this is the best clue in the world, but they always seem to use McDonald's cheeseburgers for this. Note to self, carry one in my pocket with me. And they rip it into four pieces and they toss it to the dog and he smells a little bit and he looks at it and then he'll eat it. And then the next time they get a little bit closer and they toss the next piece in there and he eats it. And they get a little bit closer and this time they kind of hold it out and set it down right in front of them. And then by the fourth piece, your fifth piece, they're putting it in the dog's mouth and the dog's calming down a little bit. And, and these guys are pros at what they do, don't get me wrong. And McDonald's cheeseburger is not the story here tonight about how to establish world peace. But it is like that example. Now, this verse, by the way, talks about a Kabbalistic principle called enlightened greed. 
Anytime you see the word greed, everybody says, oh, no, no, don't need it, don't want to hear about it. But sometimes we can do things that will benefit other people that in turn will benefit us. And while we clearly broadcast good actions are for the receiver, while we clearly broadcast that these good actions, this is the great thing I did to help this person out, we missed the point of how much we actually benefit from being kind and caring to other people. By the way, that's false humility. That's all that that is. And I believe that for the most part, most Christians just don't get the point. Our protection against evildoers. Boy, you hear people all the time. You hear them in church. And, and sometimes they're talking more to Satan than they are to God in church, which interests me. We're going to bind the powers of Satan. We're going to get our protection against the evildoers. And there's people that wear amulets and they have incantations and certain prayers and songs they sing. And we're going to get our protection about the evildoers. The verse here says, hey, some of our protection, some of our protection against the evildoers in this verse could be often accomplished by meeting their needs and providing for them. What happens a lot with us and them theology, what happens a lot in the us and them theology, they're not like us. They don't believe what we believe. We've often focused, instead of focusing on meeting a need, we focus on creating one. Let me say that again. Often in this us and them tension theology, we often focus on creating a need instead of solving the one that's right in front of us. I was listening to Yehuda Bird today uh, do a uh, five or six part course he was doing a while ago, and he made an interesting observation. He said, he said, you know, I believe in God. He says, maybe not all of you here do. Maybe you believe in a higher power, divine being, uh, the feminine divine, all the different names for it. I don't, he says, I believe in God. And he said, I wonder how many of you in the room would agree with this, that if we were to step back away and be able to look at the entirety of the world today and look at everything that's happening in the world, the wars and the famine and destruction and pollution and, and lack of fresh water and medicine and, and everything happening in the world today, would we say to ourselves, this is exactly what creator had in mind when he envisioned mankind in the world. Now, remember, it's a very different statement between saying this is what he envisioned and this is what he knew would happen. I, I can hear people already going, oh, he already knew that was going to happen. Ah. Just shut up and listen, okay? Calm down and listen. I think we'd all agree that this is not what this mass divine force, however we identify this, saw and envisioned when this world was created. It's interesting to note that the explosive growth, and I mean explosive growth, of the early Christian community, the one birth right after the time of the death of Jesus, they had three huge drivers that, that guaranteed their success. Number one, they had an accessible God that was connected to his creation. There wasn't a place you had to go and do things to be allowed to worship him. You could talk with this God in your everyday life. He was interested in, your, in how you raised your kids and where you went to work. And there was a relationship factor. And it, was, <coughs> it became the religion of the common man. 
the religion of the common person. So the accessible God was something that fascinated people. Secondly, they met each other's needs. We have this glowing report in the book of Acts that no one had lack. By the way, that doesn't mean that everybody was living high, in, uh, you know, high on the hog, that, that everybody had abundance. It meant that there wasn't anybody without food. There wasn't anybody without water. And by the way, during the time that this was happening, this is a major accomplishment because they were living day by day. There was no unions. There was no protection of wages. There was none of these things. So this was huge. And third, it was huge because the early Christians smashed, say this again, the early Christians smashed all social, economic, and, and uh, ethnic barriers in their religion, smashed these things. They just did. All the children of the world, isn't that what the song says? Red and yellow, black and white, they're precious in the sight. That was truly the early Christian community. But let me ask you this question now. Why wouldn't we just let our enemies starve? Why feed this hungry dog? I mean, if we feed him and he doesn't really accept us as who we are, we're just strengthening him to come back and fight with us again. Well, you've got a balance here. Think of it like this. If I don't feed him and he continues to hate me and continues to build his resentment, we continue to lose lives in the effort of killing our enemies. But if he accepts my offering and accepts my kindness and my hospitality and my food and my drink, and I can win him over to me, not to my side, but to me, it means less loss of life. We have lost the point. We have lost the idea that the point of the Christian faith tradition is the protection against the loss of life. We've got certain loss of life conversations inside Christianity that you will hear people scream from here to the doors of Washington, D.C. We'll go to the Supreme Court. But they have almost zero concern for someone who's outside the faith tradition who is suffering. Someone they perceive as an enemy is their enemy. Why don't we want our enemies to starve? So that we can, Why would we want to bless our enemies? So that we can begin to establish ways of peace, of communicating with these people. God cares about your enemies, by the way. He cares about everyone. The verse says, not only does he not bite him with a number of tribulations, but he may become an advocate for him. Who wants these tribulations? Oh, wait, I forgot. We do want them. What would happen if every perceived enemy of Christianity, you know, Democrats, gay people, Women wearing pants to church, that was one years back. But if everybody agreed on it and there was no more enemies, what would you do tomorrow when you woke up? You'd have to find somebody else to hate. I remember when I was in eighth grade, we had a kid named Rick Sullivan. Everybody picked on Rick Sullivan. He was <clears throat> he was always trying to get attention, telling jokes. He was kind of a heavy set kid. And one day, our teacher kicked him out of class. He wasn't even doing anything. He kicked him out of class. Rick, you're out of here. Go outside. Rick was stunned. I was stunned. <clears throat> and he said, all of you look up here. He said, every one of you people in this class 
You spend six hours a day picking on Rick. You know why? Because you can't. Because Rick wants your attention and he wants your love and he wants to be friends with you so bad he puts up with the abuse. He said, let me tell you a story. He said, every single one of you needs to thank God every day for Rick. Because if Rick stopped coming to the school or something horrible happened to Rick and he was no longer around, one of you in this room would take Rick's place. Man, I don't know how everybody else heard that, but I heard that. I heard it. I felt it. And yes, in eighth grade, I became Rick Sullivan's friend. I mean, let's face it, folks. Who really wants to get bit? I mean, obviously, a lot of people must really want to get bit. The idea, by the way, of social provisions is taught in the Old Testament and the New Testament documents. I don't understand that. How is it that we have 4,000 years of this recorded history of scriptures, and yet we're arguing about whether or not we should bless our enemies, whether or not we should feed the hungry dog? How someone lives their lives, I'm going to say this twice, how someone lives their lives, the choices that they make should never be a reason why we don't help them. How someone lives their lives, their choices that they make should never be the reason why we don't help them. By the way, the way we love others, the way we take care of them does create a doorway to a relationship with them. So I want to ask you a final question as we close. What would our world be like without hungry dogs? I understand that only Messiah can eradicate war. I understand that only Messiah can bring true peace and a peaceful existence. I understand those things, but those things at the same time don't excuse me from looking at the view of the world and saying, yeah, I don't really think this is what God had in mind, and then turn around and say, but that's not my problem, that's his. We don't get to get let off the hook because it's inconvenient. We don't get to get let off the hook because it's hard for us. We don't get to get let off the hook because it's someone else's job. It's never been anyone else's job. It's always been our job to do our part in the picture of repairing the world. My name is David Fournier, Senior Instructor here at Restoring Grace. Thank you for joining me and look forward to my next episode of the Zohar in 15. Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.